Hello, I'm Chase Blasick, an Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at stratfor.com. You're listening to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics podcast, a regular conversation about our latest geopolitical and risk analysis. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for joining. Today, Ryan Bowles here. He's published an examination of how Russia's people are talking about their country's war against Ukraine. Ryan, thanks for being on the podcast again. Thanks for having me, Emily. Ryan, I've read a number of articles that say Putin is winning the war in Russia, that a majority of people in Russia support his take on why the country invaded Ukraine. But I see almost daily social posts and opinion pieces about how ordinary Russians do not support this war. Can you clarify all this for me? What's the current domestic support for the war in Ukraine inside Russia? So we can look at it two ways. One is we can ask ourselves, what is the absolute truth here? Do Russians genuinely support this war or or do they support it enough to allow the Russian government to continue to prosecute it? Um, One of those we have an answer to, which is that Russians do support the war enough to the point where Moscow doesn't feel like its domestic front is at threat, that, that Russia can continue the campaign uh, for the medium term, whether that's months or even years, without worrying about an anti-war movement. So we know that Russians support it just enough, even if they acquiesce to it. What we don't know, which is becoming increasingly hard to ascertain, is whether or not Russians genuinely buy into the narrative that they're being sold about denazification, uh, the, the threat that Ukraine poses to Russia itself. It's very hard for us to know whether or not Russians actually buy into this or whether or not their real opinions are being suppressed or self-censored. Um, but what matters geopolitically is whether or not it's manifesting into a substantial opposition movement to the Russian campaign in Ukraine. And right now, there simply isn't a domestic anti-war movement that, that really matters uh, behind the front lines in Russia. Well, partially because all dissent has been quashed. Is that fair to say? Right. There were several things that happened. First, uh, we had a lot of the anti-war demonstrations broke out in some of the bigger cities like St. Petersburg and, and Moscow early days of the war. And most of those people were arrested. Some of them were released. Uh, many of them were given fines. But essentially, an organized anti-war movement was broken up in the very beginning of, of the, uh, the invasion. Uh, there was also a substantial amount of hundreds of thousands of Russians who decided to flee the country as well. And many of those people opposed uh, the war. In fact, that was their primary reason for fleeing uh, Russia was that they were opposed to the war and they were they were worried about the economic and political effects that it would have on their own daily lives. So that also removed a substantial number of Russians who would have made up uh, something like an anti-war opposition. So the analogy you might go with is instead of during the Vietnam War, it was the draft dodgers that were fleeing to Canada. Um, you could you could almost see it as a similar experience that uh, Russians who were opposed to the war were self-deporting to another country. So inside Russia, Ryan, is it safe to say or could you say how long this passive support might last? It's always hard to, to gauge. But what we can say is structurally, the Russian system is built different than Western systems. And a lot of Westerners have looked at Russia and they've taken their own historical experiences with the anti-war movement against Vietnam, the anti-war movement against Iraq. And they're kind of putting those experiences into Russia. 
but there's a problem with doing that sort of analysis. Russia doesn't have regular elections. It doesn't have a free and transparent media. And it very rarely has had either of those things, uh, even after the fall of the Soviet Union. So actually, Russia is reverting to something of a historical norm right now, where it's got a propaganda environment. It's got a political system that doesn't respond quickly to, to popular demands. Um, and as that's the case, it does imply that Moscow has a pretty long runway with how long it can get support out of the Russian people to the point where it can prosecute this war. Uh, but what we don't know is how well this system will last in the 21st century. In the 20th century, it was a lot easier to cut off outside information. Uh, people's or The economy was less sophisticated and needed less uh, external trade. Um, standards of living were less reliant on connections with the outside world. So we don't know how long modern Russians will put up with this, uh, given the fact that Russia is being isolated, it is being cut off, and that even in a perfect totalitarian system, a place like China or North Korea, alternative information can still seep in. And, and Russians aren't close to being a totalitarian system yet. They can still use VPNs to get past the firewalls. They can still access Twitter if they're particularly determined. They can still find out uh, what the BBC is saying without necessarily having to do the hardship of what their, their Soviet ancestors did by getting a black, rate, <clears throat> a black market radio. Rather, they can still use their phones that they've got to find ways around to discover this information, and they will still talk about it. Uh, but it's a question of how long it will take for that information to seep into the body politic and for it to start to inspire people to take action. That could be a long time, given how strong we've seen the security apparatus respond to even the earliest uh, uh, signs of an anti-war movement. What about the support of the military or the oligarchs who are being hit very hard by sanctions? Is it possible that any of them could change their minds about this war going forward? Right. And these are key elite factors to be examining to consider how long the Putin government can survive and how long it can continue to prosecute this war. After all, if the military decides to turn against the war, it, it probably means the campaign is over and that the Putin government might not last. If the oligarchs decided to throw in their lot with the opposition, that could be a, a very big political change within Russia that could undo the Putin system. Uh, but the problem is, is that both the military and the oligarchs are part of the Putin system. They've been placed into those positions over decades. And we've got to remember now Putin has been in charge since 1999. It's been 20 years where he's been able to make the rich and, and the, the, the top brass in the military are all supporters of the Putin government in some form or another. For a very long time, loyalty to Vladimir Putin has been more important than efficiency in these top level roles. And the, the results have been that the internal system is, is pretty well coup-proofed at the moment. Because if these elites decide to turn on Putin, they're basically opening up the door that their own crimes that they probably committed over the years uh, could be held, they could be held accountable for those if there was an opposition government that took power within Russia. And that keeps them loyal, uh, at least in the medium term. If ever there was a significant setback to their interests, then we could start to see a potential change. So with the military, if there is a conventional military defeat in Ukraine, if Ukraine is able to defeat the Russian military completely um, and, and throw them out of the country, that might cause the military to consider oh, uh, something like a, a military revolt or a coup. Um, on the oligarchs, if there was ever a popular revolution or, or a serious threat to their own lives, they might then turn on Putin in that case. But both of those are still pretty distant scenarios. And that's part of the reason that short of something dramatic like that, we're likely to see the insiders stay loyal to the Kremlin. Which means Russia will prosecute this war as long as it takes, I assume. 
which probably means that they will continue un until their own internal objectives are met, whatever they decide those will be. Ryan Bowl is Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst with RAIN. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Emily. You can find Ryan's work in RAIN Worldview, which offers objective geopolitical analysis and intelligence covering the global landscape. Get a great deal when you subscribe right now. There's a great offer on a subscription. Go to stratfor.com for details. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and thanks for listening. 